but that does kind of uh, connect with the final chapter. Here we are, not done yet. You know, it just dawned on me. It just dawned on me, like the not done yet. These are, you know, thinking of duns and nuns. Mm. So young adults who are not done yet. Poetic. They're, maybe they were on See. their way to being done. Done with the church or whatever. But they're not done yet. And then they Not duns yet. Not nuns or duns yet. Um, nuns is duns yet. Oh, and then they experienced a bright spot church. Yeah. Someone that was someone that helped them see uh, like the true north of their faith. What's the t- chapter title? It's true north. Yeah. True oh, north. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Wow. Something about being real. Didn't get the notes after all. <laughs> so these bright spot churches in this final chapter. Um, I thought there's some good stuff in here to kind of sum up. Um, but as we were just saying, like, it's, it's, although this is a different conversation, like someone who comes out of Trebekah, you know, graduates and tries to find church community again, post-college life. That's a different scenario than really what she's focused on engaging unchurched emerging adults. Yes. Um, very different, you know, sort of thing. But I do think the culture of a church and what she points to initially in this chapter is that a lot of these bright spot churches so these are the churches that are actually engaging with and seeing emerging adults connect and come to know christ is finding that these churches have a certain dna i think when it comes to cultural engagement um and this ability to to balance like having having doctrinal boundaries and having things that they're committed to doctrinally and theologically and everything but being able to balance that with having a kind of open posture um that's not condemning and i think where a lot of churches lose young adults is they just kind of have mrs andy crouch's posture kind of stuff like a lot of the conservative church has just this condemning critical posture towards the world instead of um i forget what all the c words are now but um being a little more open or hospitable um encouraging you know whatever so chris you you added some really great thoughts and insights from the chapter in in, in the notes here there's one question here about remind me well i'm just reading what you what you added but um uh, I mean, the recap on the five practices, initiate, invite, include, involve, and invest equal faith commitment. I mean, might happen in different orders. I mean, we've been talking about that through all the different chapters. That's been really helpful for me. Um, but the question here, it's a few notes down. It says pastors also act as cultural, as culture brokers. What is it? And then you put, Nick, what does that mean? What does that mean? And I like to think of myself as a, as a, as a relational broker or as a missional broker, like helping people connect to a place where they can join God in mission mm-hmm. and live that out with the passions and skill sets that he's given that God's already kind of innately put in people to pursue. Um, and it's, I find great joy in being like a missional broker, relational broker for young adults in the local church setting, but being a cultural broker. Um, I wonder if that has to do with like, if I'm going to apply that to young adults in a local like a local church setting, whether you're talking college campus um, or you're talking just, you know, older young adults or, you know, the 18 to 22 college age, 
um, when I think of that champion in the local church setting, there's a there's a brokering that happens between church leadership, um, other generations of the church, and the young adults, and ha- having conversations to help understand the young adults that we're in relationship with, like where they're coming from and what what they need and what they hope for. Um, and I think it goes back to that culture corner thing too, that they're building something new for the future, but they don't want to just do that on their own. They want to do it with the church. They want to be a part of it. They don't have it figured out and they know that. It's when I feel like older generations act like they have it all figured out and young adults just need to comply. And how false that is. Like we, I mean, we don't even, I, I don't believe that about myself. Um, I want to be reverse mentored by these young adults. And I think being a cultural broker is not just a, like a church and like secular community. If I can use a word that I don't like to use very much, because I mean, it's, it's like the secular and the sacred. I don't know that Jesus operated that way. He just looked at it all as like God loves and is redeeming. Um, but that we get to be culture, culture brokers within our church culture settings between intergenerational cultures of young adults and older generations and staff uh, leadership. That's kind of how I see myself as a cultural broker in my church. And I think maybe another piece to it is uh, you were making a different point, but in hearing you say that, that in building new things, something we've talked about in previous episodes is in trying to build something new in the world for young adults. Sometimes it's like if we're trying to build something that's just or hospitable or compassionate, not seeing the church as a place to do that, or as not seeing the church as a place that is doing that. So while there is a desire for participation with others and across generations, that when the church isn't being faithful to our witness and we're not being cultural brokers, and not the five eyes. When we're not doing that stuff well, people, young adults go and do it elsewhere. They get engaged uh, politically or in nonprofits and community organizations where they see people making a real difference and want to be a part of that. Yeah. That point of contact that actually is like where the rubber meets the road to, to, to be a catalyst to change, to be a catalyst to justice, to be a catalyst to genuine relationship and, and redemption. And it may come in a Christianese package or not, but why can't the church is a, be Christ-centered and alluring to young adults? Like how, how, can, how can we go about helping to change that and inviting young adults to be a part of it to help change that perception that we're not the brokers of kingdom culture? um that they're that they're looking to engage with yeah i'm just spitballing i'm trying to engage yeah no and then and when if we so often christianity in an attempt to uh, one of my football coaches in high school would always say what you allow you promote and i feel like very often um it was good advice for football players but uh that uh the church is like this is the line we are not going to allow that. We're not going to allow you to be a part of anything that we're doing until you sand off the edges that we don't like. What does that fall on the invite include? I mean, the include and involve, if, if the belonging before you believe, if, if instead of saying a line and saying like you have, if you're on the opposite side, then we're going to like not be hospitable 
like not that we don't hold truths, not that we don't hold to like the, the core doctrine, doctrinal truths of Christianity and the Apostles' Creed and stuff like that, but in saying this is the good news for the world and this is the truth of Jesus Christ, that like, drawing a line in the sand and, and saying that you are my enemy until you become exactly like me. That's, that's We're not defined by what we don't do. Yes. Instead of what we do do. Ooh. It's not that's not gonna be that's that's not just like not being loving. It is shooting ourselves in the foot. As the church. Like if we if we are seeking to reach those who are far from Jesus and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and the love that he has for each of us as daughters and sons, uh, children of God, then that requires back to that art, it requires relationships. It reminds me of I was a worship leading worship at a church, and I had a college guy who played bass guitar for us, but he was obviously not following Jesus super closely, um, you know. And somebody brought up the issue with me, like, oh, should he really be on the worship team if he's not, you know, living a life, you know, or whatever? And I, I just remember trying to convince it, although. I would, I can see it from both sides, and as a youth pastor back in the day, I would think, well, do you do you have a young adult come in and like help lead a small group or do something? How much do you involve it and include it, you know, a young adult mm-hmm. until they kind of cross that line into faith or whatever? But anyway, with the worship thing, I I just went to bat for, hey, I want him on the worship team. I want to be involved. I want to be in his life. This is a way for me to be in his life and share with him and whatever. Um, so, so how can we weed out the people that look like they're following Christ, but they're actually faking that? Yeah, right. If we really want to, like, let's let's, go down let's be that fair. Road, that's that's almost like the, you know, Jesus needs to scribble in the dirt some people's names. And yeah, so. I don't really believe in Jesus yet, um, but I really enjoy playing guitar, and I'm happy to help like play guitar and and sing these songs about loving Christ. Is it okay if I'm a part of that? Hey, let me, but I understand the tension, though. Let me ask you guys this. So one pushback I have a little bit on some some of this is she makes a point somewhere about we need to basically do better evangelism within the church. So if you attract young adults who are unchurched to your church, then yes, there needs some evangelism is going to happen basically within the context of them spending time you know, as she says, trying on faith, trying on Christianity, whatever. Um, I guess a part of me also wants to push back and say, should we also, should we be reaching unchurched emerging adults outside the church? I don't know. There's a part of me that's reacting because it almost sounds like we need unchurched people to, hey, come to us. Come and hang out right. with us. Yeah. And we'll show you. It's still like an attractional model that's kind of rolled up in yeah. here a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And I can't tell if that's her perspective or if that's just the, like the churches that she... I feel like it's the, what she thinks the data is telling her from her yeah. research. Um, but there's just a little bit of that that bothers me or it just makes me want to be cautious. Like, um, And then I think even with our own, our own young adult ministry um, at my local church... Um, it has been tricky to figure out how to leverage this group of, they're basically church kids who have grown up in the church. So they're not unchurched. There's not 
out of 15 young adults who are in our Sunday morning group, I don't think there's anyone who's not churched. Like they haven't come through some church history kind of, you know, whatever stuff. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out how do I help this group turn outwards, you know, and invite and whatever. And then that makes me think, sorry, I'm going down multiple bunny trails here. But the other piece is I loved this little thing about some of their perspectives on church before and after. Yeah. Like they thought church was like this, but now their experience with this bright spot church mm-hmm. has helped them see this. It's reconstructed. And that makes me think like, wow, we need a lot yeah. of churches to realize if they're going to help a young adult get from point A to point B, they're going to have to become this kind of church. But but you know what? I, I would venture to say it's not because there was a complete realignment of the church and the church became like everybody in the church right. became completely different. It was, it was one or two relationships in the church of people that were being intentional and the church that was allowing that to be enabled and, and wanted somebody to be that cultural relational kind of translator broker that then they connect in relation. Why do people leave churches? Because they have one bad relational experience that's, that's devastating. They have good reasons to leave or to be duns. You know, hey, I uh, tried to reconcile. I, I, I tried. I, I, we're, well, that's why we're here today. Chris. Good work. That's why we're here today. <laughs> we're we're working on you, buddy. Um, but I think when you have those positive relationships, where like you know, more notes that you put down there from this last chapter, where you get to try things on. You know, um, I found myself throughout this book. I take the things that she's writing in these chapters with kind of this quasi attractional model. And I'm without, without really thinking about it, I've been realizing I'm translating it into, okay, I'm not out like beating the pavement, trying to get young adults to come into our church as a volunteer, young adult coordinator, director, whatever. Who do we have? Who do we have to work with? What do we have to work with? How do we make the most of that? How do we leverage the least, the, the most common denominator to have the greatest impact? You guys have heard me talk about that kind of a lot as part of my philosophy. Um, because I'm learning from this book how to apply what she's teaching about the bright spot churches to my local context to help disciple the young adults that we are entrusted with that have taken the risk to be at our church and have the relationships with young adults that aren't connected to any churches. That's where they work, they go to school, their families, or both. So I I tend to think, you know, how we talk about evangelism and discipleship. But, I, but we also talk about evangelism is actually a part of the continuum of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so I'm taking the things that she's been laying out in this book and applying it as how do I help equip and disciple the young adults that we do have, whether it's one or 100. Um, and, and, then, and then how are we creating a space of hospitality within these kind of five-fold initiatives that she lays out in the book so that it can be a space. So if a young adult happens to stumble in on a Sunday morning with their family or a friend. And we do have these fringe relationships where people bring somebody, you know, when it happens informal times around food. Yeah. And, and maybe they came on a Sunday morning, but they were really glad to stick around and have some food and then just have some dialogue and connect with other people. Um, so I'm not trying to get young adults that aren't at our church yet. in. I'm trying to equip the young adults that we do have relationship with to be the hands and feet and the representatives of Christ in, in their, in our world. Um, that's kind of how I'm applying the invitation from the book to be a bright spot church. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I was saying about my group earlier, like they're all kind of like church kids who've just grown up through the youth group sort of thing. What, what is interesting though, is that they have, they've not been discipled in such a way that they reproduce, you know, a healthy disciple should reproduce, right? You know, that kind of thing. So there's still in that side. Some, yeah. Sometimes I need to realize that I can't just say, oh, these are a bunch of church kids who are now young adults. Now, I mean, some of them may st- may actually not know Christ, um, even though they've grown up in the church. Whatever. So there is some work to do in terms of, I think, community and helping to disciple them so that they can be, at some point, if you have a genuine relationship with Christ, you've experienced, you know, Jesus rescuing you. That becomes something you want for others. Um, but until you, until they get to a place where, yeah, I don't know, they want to share that or whatever. Well, that's kind of how I think about <laughs> outreach to unchurched emerging adults too, is that I've got to prepare, you know, the core um, to be doing that themselves and not yeah. me to just go out right. and, you know, start inviting, inviting servers and baristas and whatever to come to church events. I've got really bad news and really good news. Mm. Jesus had about a 6.5% success rate. If you count John standing with two women at the cross. Yeah. And he had three years with 12 disciples and how do you do that math i did six point i made it up it just sounded like it might i mean there's 12 i just need a substantially low number do you 12 minus one um and then you have 11 and then i mean it's not 10 percent, and so it had to be but it's more than five and i just like this is why i drive my wife crazy with money because but i count the seven i like the seven like jesus gets three years with the disciples he's the son of god they all completely walk away, betray him. All they don't understand him most of the time. They're always asking him to repeat himself. They make a comeback. He, they totally make a comeback. And here we sit today. I have to lean into that hope. Yeah, yeah. I have to live into that hope. You know, I've heard people say recently, "Where is the church going to be in five years, in ten years, in twenty years?" And they say it with fear. And my response, as gentle as I possibly can, has been. Well, where's the Holy Spirit going to be? Well, there's probably going to be a church then. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that. The good news is the Holy Spirit's not done yet. You know what I thought about the other day? Where two or three are, where two or three are gathered, right? That's like the, that was like the first hotspot because the Holy Spirit is like wireless connectivity of the church. Mm. Two or three is like the first like modem example wow i'm just trying to be a cultural broker <laughs> that's nice exchanging trans, trans- Jeremy looks so confused right now <laughs> um <laughs> trying to figure out how to transition well that was good. <laughs> and that was so obscure <laughs> i just pushed us with, off the, off left. with the internet reference that <laughs> i could get in trouble for this but i sometimes wonder if if the church kind of struggling and dying as we know it could be a really good thing for the future of the church okay like there needs to be a re a reset here's something i asked somebody the other day sitting across from some 60 somethings talking about being the church um they mentioned uh how you know 
our country's going to hell in a handbasket. Basically, they didn't say that, but it's just all going downhill. The church, we're so afraid of where it's going to be in the future. And, you know, countries where they don't have religious freedom, this is their words, countries where they don't have religious freedoms, you know, the church is just thriving. And I go, well, what, what's the political climate of those countries? It was total trap. And they go, well, they're communist. And I said, so why are we so afraid of socialism and communism if the church is going to thrive under it? And they weren't quite sure what to do with that. Neither am I. <laughs> but it's, it's that, messes, very, that messes with the Zionist you know, it messes with of the America being the new Israel. Well, it, yeah. oh my gosh. Okay. That's a whole other Which podcast. It's the Christian nationalism. So who's going to start the outro? And that wraps up our conversation with book not done yet. Yeah. And we don't have any idea what we're going to do yet. We know that it'll look different now that we're done. You know, Chris, I think when we're at leadership conference in March in Tampa, that like me and you'll be together and we'll start him polls, in. We figure out what's next well we're going to get some bonus content but i think we should do our episode from us in tampa and wherever you're at yeah and like try to do that since two of us will be together i love that i could interview you guys on what you're talking like Ooh, the conversations about. i like that we could do like a segue episode yeah you can help me stay in the loop and those of you listening as well yeah cool okay so sweet until next time fail forward be present and be teachable Is that it? Are we done? Slate it. Did you say teachable? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>